the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. This morning we continue our series that we've been in as we look at the closing words of Jesus to his friends in the Gospel of Matthew. These instructions that have become known as the Great Commission, where Jesus gathered his friends and says, I want you to go. I want you to go and make disciples and baptize them. I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. In other words, Jesus is saying, you who have, who have chosen to be my disciples, to follow me as your teacher, as your master, as your rabbi, go and make new disciples who will do the same thing, who will join you in that journey of followership. And this mission is for all of us as Christians. We've been talking about how together we have been co-missioned. This is for us together, the body at work, as we follow our Master Jesus Christ. This is the mission that continues to guide the, the purpose and the life of the church across the world and to guide and shape the ministry of Bethany Covenant Church. And here at Bethany, we have uh, seen this vision as, as lived out in our time, sending us to be people who are inviting others to know God, people who are inspiring others to follow Jesus, and people who are involving others to serve our neighbors both near and far. And so last week, we looked at how that mission is going to have us be a church that's always intentionally inviting people to know God through a personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the evangelistic heartbeat of our co-mission as we freely and joyfully share the good news that God is actually near. God is near and He longs for the people whom He has created to turn to Him, to find Him, to reach out and to come into relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, to find forgiveness for their sins, to experience the love of God, and to be welcomed into new life walking with Christ. Today we move into the second piece of our vision statement as we remind ourselves that in order to be fully faithful in this co-mission we've been given, we need to be a church that is always inspiring people to follow Jesus Christ. And so this is the work of discipleship. We can think about inviting people to know God as the work of evangelism. This is the work of discipleship people who are growing in our faith and who are also making and deepening disciples. Now, when you hear that word disciple, your mind might go immediately to that, that inner circle that Jesus gathered around him, that, that group of 12 men whom Jesus said, come and follow me, and who walked along the road with him for about three years. Often when the Gospels talk about the disciples, it is, it is that group. But that's not the exclusive use of that term. More widely, the term disciple in the Gospels refers to anyone who heard the teachings or who heard about the teachings of Jesus and decided to shift their lives, decided to turn from a life following their own way and to align their life according to the teachings of Jesus and according to the model that he provided for life that honors God. And so you might think of this, this role or this title of disciple also as being an apprentice, an apprentice. Now, this word maybe isn't as familiar 
as it was 100 or 200 years ago, when you think about the trades and how someone would, would apprentice themselves to a craftsperson. But this word apprentice, I think, is, is helpful in understanding our relationship with Christ. According to Merriam-Webster, an apprentice is a person who learns a job or skill by working for a fixed period of time for someone who is very good at that job or skill. Now, we see that Jesus was very good at being Jesus. He was great at it. Jesus was very good at living the kind of life that honors God with, with every step that we take, that fulfilled the spirit of the law without getting hung up on or derailed by the, the technicalities of the letter of the law, those things that so often tripped up other rabbis and teachers of Jesus' time. You may have heard that Jesus actually never used the word Christian, and that the word was actually originally used around the time of the early New Testament church as a derogatory term by people who were opposed to the gospel and saw this new thing that was happening, and basically were trying to put down the Christians by saying, uh, you're just a bunch of little Jesuses. That's what the word Christian means, little Christ. So imagine if people start saying that about us at Bethany, you, you Bethany people, you're just a bunch of little Jesuses. I would take that, that slam. That would be okay. And so as we seek to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, even becoming little Christs ourselves, this idea of apprenticeship provides a helpful picture because we want to attach ourselves to Jesus just as an apprentice would, would attach himself or herself to a, a master teacher to say, I'm going to spend this time with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to see how you do it. I'm going to model what I do after your example. Jesus told his disciples, the student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. It's as if Jesus is saying, yes, you absolutely need to change your life. You need to reorient your life, but you don't need to reinvent the wheel. I am the wheel. Just, just look at me, watch me, and do things the way that I do them. Learn from me. And this is what discipleship is about, about apprenticing ourselves to the master and learning from him and becoming more and more like him. Don Everts, in his book, Jesus with Dirty Feet, writes, Jesus was not a Christian. He never asked anyone to become a Christian. He never built a steepled building, never drew up a theological treatise, never took an offering, never wore fancy religious garments, never incorporated for tax purposes. He simply called people to follow him. And for those of us who would call ourselves Christians today, we would acknowledge that's, that's been our, our experience, is that at some point in our lives, we heard Jesus' words, follow me, and we've entered into that journey, which hasn't always been easy, but we have sought to follow him. And I've got nothing against beautiful steepled buildings or classes or incorporating, but we know that's not our purpose as Christians. That's part of how we live out our mission but our mission is to follow in the footsteps of the master, to learn from him, to apprentice ourselves to him, to do things his way, even when if it's, that's not the easiest way. 
because we know that a good master teaches the apprentice to avoid cutting corners, to avoid those shortcuts that might lead the less experienced down the wrong road. We call Jesus master because that's who he is, that's his relationship to us, but also because he has truly mastered this beautiful art of living life the way that God has intended for each of us. And so we're on this journey of following Jesus, following him as individuals, following him as a church. And as a church, part of our work is inspiring other people, those people around us, to follow Jesus alongside us. Now, I've heard the words inspire and inspiration a lot during the Olympics. It's a word that kept coming up. Maybe you watched and you saw those television ads uh, thanking the current Olympic athletes for the inspiration that they were to the next generation uh, of competitors. You saw pictures of kids glued to the TV set, you know, watching their favorite athletes, whether they were medal contenders or simply people trying to do their very best, watching their exploits, watching their efforts, and wondering, could that be me someday? And then there were the interviews with the Olympians themselves. And they were often asked, well, who, who is your inspiration? Who inspires you? And again and again, I found that their answers fell into one of two categories. Either their inspiration was someone who was kind of a giant and pioneer in their sport. Somebody who had gone before them, paving the way, showing how things could be done, breaking barriers, setting new standards. And so they were mentors in that way. Or these athletes would talk about their inspiration being a family member, often a parent or a grandparent, sometimes even a younger sibling, somebody who had overcome hardship, who was an incredible inspiration to them. And in all these stories of inspiration, I don't think I ever once heard an athlete who said, you know, my, my greatest inspiration is this person who wrote a really great book about my sport, or someone who hosted a really informative webinar. Those things are important. Our classes are important. Our confirmation times are important. Our Bible studies are important. But they're often not where we find our deepest inspiration. We know, you probably know from your own story of faith, those who inspire us are those who have lived the faith in front of us. And so that's our invitation as well. Those Olympians didn't point to experts, they pointed to role models. People who had shown how it could be done. People whose lives were a testimony to something admirable. Something they wanted to learn from and emulate. And so our challenge is, as we think about our, our task and our opportunity of discipleship as a church, yes, we need to be intentional about providing tangible and practical opportunities for people to learn. We have to consider the, the reality that our challenge also includes the challenge to us as role models in the faith, role models for those who are watching and wondering, what's it mean to be a Christian? And this might sound a little humbling to you, might sound more than a bit scary. Personally, it reminds me of the Apostle Paul, who writes in 1 Corinthians 11, follow my example 
as I follow the example of Christ. And I've always thought that took, probably took a lot of guts for Paul to say. Now, knowing Paul, it probably came easily to him, but it's interesting to me that Paul didn't simply say, follow the example of Jesus. Clearly, in his letters, he, he talks about what that looks like to be, to be lived out. But here in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Watch how I do it and then take after me. And that might not seem like an altogether humble thing for Paul to say, but if you're familiar with his letters, you know that Paul frequently says, you know, I haven't got this all figured out. I haven't reached perfection. I still find myself doing the exact opposite of what I know I'm called to do as a follower of Christ. But Paul holds himself up in front of new Christians and says, watch me, because I want to show you it can be done. We can do this. Walk with me and learn from me. And we know that Paul became an incredible inspiration for people like Barnabas and Silas, and especially his young protege, Timothy. Paul inspired leaders in the churches that he planted. He continued to pour into them and mentor them. He encouraged them to make real-life decisions and to take tangible actions that were rooted in their faith and that flowed out of a personal relationship with Christ. And by the grace of God, by the power of His Spirit, we actually have that same opportunity today to inspire the people around us to follow Jesus, to learn from Him, to orient their lives around Him, to live their lives according to His purposes. And yes, we will often do that through teaching, through instruction. But so often we are called to be in the flesh, real life, inspirations of the Christian faith. Now, as people look at us, as people try to learn from us, they're going to see a lot of missteps, miscues, and mess-ups, because we are not going to have a performance that's anything near a perfect 10. People will see a flawed model as they look at our lives. But we can still prove an inspiration to people. Again, thinking about those Olympians who pointed to those who had gone before them, it wasn't that they were perfect as, as models. In fact, we know sometimes we learn from and are inspired most deeply by people who fall, but then pick themselves up and learn from what just happened and then keep on going, maybe even a, in a better and more true way. We can inspire the people around us and say, we can do this. Let, let's walk together. Let's learn from the master together. And if I'm a little further down the road than you, then maybe you can learn something from me as we journey together. And as we journey together, we will each and all be apprenticed to the master, to Jesus as our Lord and teacher. We'll learn how to keep our eyes on him. Jesus invites those who are following him to live life differently. Listen to these words and invitation from Jesus in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love how Jesus invites us to, to unburden ourselves 
to find rest, not by going on some sort of permanent vacation, but actually by, by doing the work of yoking ourselves to Him, attaching ourselves to Him. Just like a young ox would, would learn the ropes by being yoked alongside an older, more experienced ox. Jesus has things for us to do. He has ways for us to live. But they're not the way of wearisome burdens and heavy loads. It's the way of gentleness, humility, and what he calls a real rest. Rest not just for our bodies, but for our very souls. I've always appreciated how this passage appears in the message paraphrase written by Eugene Peterson. Peterson renders this passage from Matthew 11 this way. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keeping company with Jesus, walking alongside him, yoked with him in this easy-fitting yoke. This is our work as disciples. By God's grace, I pray that we would be faithful in answering that call. And I pray that God would give us opportunities to be real life in the flesh, examples to those around us. Examples to those people who might be wondering, what does it really mean to be a Christian? I've heard the word, but what does that mean? What does it really mean to follow Jesus? What was Jesus all about? I've heard about him, but who was he? What's it look like in real life? to follow Christ. By God's grace, may we have opportunities to say, come take a look. Let's journey together. I love how at Bethany Covenant Church, we say that we're lifelong disciples, that this is a lifelong journey, that you never age out of the program, you never retire or finish, and you're never too young to begin. This morning, I've asked Pastor Allie to come and share a bit about uh, kind of that younger side end of the spectrum of, of formation and discipleship. So, Allie, come on up. We'll talk a little bit about uh, children and youth ministries at Bethany. So, I know that uh, in a few weeks, you'll be talking to parents and students, giving them kind of details about fall plans. Yes. But this morning, would you tell us, give us kind of a big picture um, as you think about forming disciples among our youngest. Um, how do you do that? What does it look like here? Yeah. Well, I think what you just said about the lifelong piece, I think that's the key. Uh, the goal of our children's and our youth ministry programs is to help young people grow as lifelong followers of Jesus. And so we have that know God piece, think, think the teaching component of children's church and Christian formation and confirmation and youth group, helping them discover who God is and how he feels about them by looking at the story of God and his people in the Bible and then by helping them develop those spiritual habits that help them deepen that personal relationship with Jesus. Um, 
But like you're saying, it's, it's not just about the knowledge that we impart. There's a reason that we don't call our youth ministry student ministry. It implies that teens are just these passive receptacles for information that we plant. It also implies that um, I'm the one with the answers, providing the answers to them. And that's not the case. I am on the journey with them, walking towards the one who has the answers, and that's Jesus. Uh, so we call it youth ministry, not student ministry. And our goal is not simply to help them know information, but to put feet to their faith helping them live a life following the example of Jesus. So seeing others as created in God's image and then loving them and serving them the way that Jesus modeled for us. Uh, and one of the ways we do that is by helping them discover how they are uniquely gifted and what they are passionate about um, and helping them translate this information they have about God to their unique context. What does it look like for them to follow Jesus in their school, on their sports team, in their family? Uh, that is not the same for every person. It's not the same for every teen. Uh, so we have a lot of discussions that help them do that translation work. And then there's the experiential piece. We want to practice this together. So that's why children's ministry, youth ministry, and us as adults practice seeing others in our community as created in God's image and then serving them the way that Jesus did. Whether it was the food drive and the sandwiches we made yesterday, whether it was painting in Hartford yesterday, those are practicing living out the example of Jesus. But we can't do any of that without this key relational element. Youth ministry and children's ministry has to happen in an intentionally relational environment. So adults who are demonstrating to young people what the love of Jesus looks like. We don't have chaperones in children's and youth ministry. We have leaders, people on the journey with them. Um, and then strong peer relationships, other peers who want to follow Jesus too. And then just a safe environment where they can be themselves and laugh. And this is really important to me. Ask any question about God and faith and feel safe doing so. Um, yeah, so that's kind of key, Yeah, that relationship piece. It is important. So I think about, it's exactly what we've been talking about this morning, this idea yeah. of walking the journey with people, pouring into the next generation as mentors, mm. uh, as imperfect role models, but as people on the journey. Yeah. And uh, I know you were talking to me earlier about how that's not it doesn't just happen in a classroom, but this modeling is all of us, right? Yeah. Contrary to popular belief, young people are not just watching me, and they're not just watching our youth leaders. They're not even just watching their parents. They are watching all of us. They are watching how we carry ourselves together as the body of Christ, and they're watching how we carry ourselves in the world. So the burden of mentoring does not just follow to the people paid to do it. It follows to us as the church family. Well, thanks for the work you do. Yeah, thanks sure. for sharing this morning. Yeah. In a few weeks, on September 12th, you'll have an opportunity to hear uh, a bit more about big picture on the adult ministry's perspective as well as we prepare to launch uh, fall classes and experiences and opportunities on the 19th. So please make sure you, you join us then. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, our teacher, master, and rabbi, 
Thank you for calling to us and saying, follow me. Thank you for inviting us to walk the road of life with you. And thanks for showing us how that's meant to be done. Thank you for taking us on detours in the journey to places we never would have discovered on our own, even when they're hard. Lord, keep us faithful. Keep us yoked to you. Keep us learning from you. And remind us that our apprenticeships in this faith journey never end until we are with you face to face. And Lord, would you make us people who are faithful in inviting others to join us and you in this incredible journey and amazing adventure. We ask this all in your name. Amen.